Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Second Chance podcast. On this episode, I'm speaking with the British-born actor Jessica Alain. Leaving her family and home in London to take a chance in LA has proven successful. She appears in the Netflix hit The Laundromat alongside Gary Oldman and Antonio Banderas, a film directed by the award-winning director Steven Soderbergh. Yet as a black female actor, she is still having to endure shocking comments from casting directors about the tone of her skin colour. It is so nice to meet you finally, actually. And you're, you're here in London at the moment. I am. I am. I managed to get here and with everything going on in the world, I'm currently in quarantine. So. Are you? How, how long for? Ten days? So, you know, you can kind of pay extra to do five days. So that, that's what I've done. So I'm on day three at the moment. So I've got two well, days Well, I thought after two days you can do the PCR and as long as that's clear, you're good to go. Well, yes and no. You do two, You do a PCR on day two and then you have to do one on day five. And then you also have to do one on day eight. You're allowed oh. to leave on day five, but you have to do three. And what about when you leave the UK to go back to America? Because we from London or England can't go to America at the moment. Exactly. So I, because I'm technically a resident, I'm allowed to go in. But they, to be honest, I've I've been in and out during this time. I've been in and out of America twice already. And they don't require you to quarantine at all. Oh, that's interesting. Very interesting. So the border is closed, essentially. But I mean, every time I've gone back, I haven't had to quarantine. So that's good then, because I suppose that doesn't interfere with any kind of work projects or anything. Anyway, let me. It's it's so lovely to meet you. And it's so nice that you're back here in London. What part of London are you in at the moment? So I'm in my mother's house in Harrow in northwest London. Ah, And is that where you grew up? Yes. So I partly grew up here and then um, my dad lived in Hackney 
Um, so it's kind of in between both. But yeah, I grew up around here. And what do you prefer, Harrow or Acne? Uh, well, I went to school in Harrow, so I'm going to say Harrow. Say- <laughs> <laughs> That's where you spent most of your childhood. Exactly. Tell me about your childhood. What was your childhood like? Um, it was great, actually. So I, my parents are not together. They're both from the Caribbean. Um, my mother's from Barbados. My father's from St. Lucia. And they had a really close relationship. So I grew up around here. And, um, you know, I both my parents kind of had really sort of tough lives. And so because of that, they wanted the best for me. So at three years old, for the next 15 years, every year we would go on these crazy holidays to all the ends of the world. You know, my mom would take me to Hong Kong. We would go to Egypt. We would go all different places because my, my family never got to travel. So my parents were amazing like that. They always wanted the best for me. And, you know, I, I got to see the world, which I think has shaped my life and also shaped my acting career and has allowed me to kind of see things from different perspectives. And so I, I really had a great upbringing. My parents really made sure that I got to do everything that they didn't get to do. You're very lucky because that is a mm-hmm. challenge for most parents, isn't it? it Especially, is. as you said, your parents come from the Caribbean and had tough uh, upbringings. Were they born in the Caribbean or were they born here, second descendants? I don't know. So they were born here, they were second descendants. And so my grandmother, who's still here, she was she came over on Windrush and they were they were second descendants. So do you have any siblings? Do you have any brothers and sisters? Yes, I have a younger sister who she's living here. She really wants to come with me to America. But <laughs> but yeah, she, she's living here right now. And she's just, she was in university and, you know, she's about 10 years younger than me. So other than the luxury of going on these exotic holidays with your parents, <laughs> what, what was you like uh, as a child? I mean, what was your ambitions? You know, we'll talk about you and your career as a model and as an actress as you got older when you were younger were you the kind of girl who turned up at the drama class at school and sort of shone amongst all the others (laughs) or was it or was it a late ambition it was definitely a late ambition I I had no formal acting training when I stepped into this so when I was younger I think I really had no idea what I wanted to do I had no and and I think that because my parents were so open-minded, they didn't pressure me into anything. It wasn't like, okay, you're going to be a doctor. You're going to be a dentist. What are you going to do with your life? They were kind of like, just, just do what you want. Just be happy. So I did go to a few like acting classes as a child, but, you know, I wasn't enrolled into drama school full time or anything. And I actually went to university and I, I studied fashion, media and journalism um, for four years. So the the acting thing was later on in my life and a complete 180. So, yeah, I was really into fashion as a child. And I think that also played a part with the modeling as well. How, how did you and when did you first get into modeling then? How did that um, manifest itself? So I, I never that was another thing that I wasn't really interested in. I think because I was tall, you know, I'm five nine and I was always like skinny and everyone would, would tell me you should model. And I was like, I'm not doing that. It sounds like an absolute <laughs> nightmare. Like, Why would I want to do that? And I remember when I was 16, I went to college at uh, uh, Westminster College and on my lunch break, something just told me to walk into this agency one day. I was like, I need some money. What am I going to do? And I walked into this agency and they took me on. 
and that was it really and I I traveled all over the world I I worked in all over Europe Hong Kong and it was great it was a, a really good time for me I think it's good that you say that because you read these horror stories about what people, young women mm-hmm. and men, the expectations, not 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 the, the sort of exploitation. I say expectations because, mm-hmm. you know, whether it is, you know, keeping your weight down, whether it's, you know, having to do things to your body or your personality in order to survive. Was that your experience at all? Oh, luckily, I think for me, because I feel like I never had that pressure. But it was surrounding me. I At one point, I lived in New York in a model house when I was quite young. And I was living with 11 girls from all over the world. And um, every, every type of horror story you've heard about the modeling industry, I saw and I experienced. Um, luckily for me, again, I think because I, I didn't ever let it consume me, I, I, I was never one what on one of those crazy diets or anything like that. But I, I saw it firsthand and I saw a lot of girls around me suffering. I remember when I was in the model house, I would wake up to a girls, bulimic girls. I would wake up to the sound of girls sticking fingers down their throat. And I mean, just everything you can, you've heard about the industry it's true. And and I saw it firsthand. And it's so easy to be sucked in and to be manipulated and to change your life to adhere to, you know, someone else's rules or how they want you to look. And um, it's a very tough industry. And I think now, I think it's a lot easier now, because, you know, when I was young, this was 10 years ago, 10 plus years ago, there was no really such thing as plus size. You know, plus size modeling didn't exist then. You know, there wasn't such a an acceptance for other types of models. You know, you had to be five eight and above. You had to be skinny. Like that was your option. There was no, yeah, plus size didn't exist. Um, so now I look at the industry and I think it. There's a lot. There's still a lot of issues with it, but there isn't. There isn't. I don't think there's as much pressure as there was before. How do you? resist that then how do you resist when you woke up and you saw girls trying to keep themselves in the way they needed to keep themselves mm-hmm. to succeed I mean, where do you find the strength of character the resilience to to resist being caught up in in that culture that you could stay true to who you are mm-hmm. I think again it's, it's just the way I was brought up it's like if, if people can't take you for who you are then there's no point sacrificing your life for that um but even for someone so young where you're 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 you know easily influenced or could be easily influenced you must have had quite a deep strength of character which is testament to your parents obviously yeah yeah definitely and 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 I also you know there's different types of modeling I chose to go down the more sort of commercial route so I I was with high-end high fashion agencies in New York but, you know, I never walked in as a stick. I always had shape, you know. So it was like, well, either you're going to take me on or you're not. And, yeah, I think it's just having, like, an internal strength and telling yourself, you know, I will work. Either people are going to accept me for who I am or or not. And, you know, I don't want to change myself to adhere to someone else and their rules. And it's it was tough. It was it was really really tough to be honest, and to also be in that environment in New York and living with eleven girls and just the pressure it, it was it was really tough. 
Tell me how you got there then, because you said when you were 16, you kind of walked out of college one afternoon, popped into an agency and got signed. But then how do you end up in a in a model's house all the way in, in New York? And did you finish your university? You know, did you finish your college degree? Did you kind of pursue yeah. that and then go on this? Because often people give up on one dream to pursue another dream. Tell me how mm-hmm. you made that transition from a, a high street agency to a model yeah. house in New York. So I, I went to college full time. So I went to the city of Westminster and then up to, up to the age of 18. And then, so I already started modeling at 16 and I didn't want to go to university in all honesty. And my mom was like, please go. At that point, no one in my family had really had a degree. So I felt like I, I, at the time, I didn't want to go. Now I'm very grateful that I went. But my mom was like, kind of like, you know, I I would really love for you to go. And so I did. And I kind of met her halfway and I said, can I do a a part-time course, you know, so it's at home. So I'd only go to lectures twice a week. So that's what I did for four years, which enabled me to model and travel. And then when I graduated, that's when I started looking at uh, agencies and abroad. And before I actually got to New York, my first contract was in Miami. So I was in Miami first, which I think was is was an easier way for me to get into the industry. I think if I hit New York first, it would have been a complete shock for me. Because Miami is more of a commercial market. It's more swimwear, you know. So it, it was an easier way for me to get in and be comfortable with who I was at such a young age and comfortable with my body and how it was because it was more of an accepting market at that time. That's really interesting, actually. Mm-hmm. And how do those contracts come about? Did the agency... I don't know how these things work and I suspect Mm -hmm. lots of people would be interested to find out how it worked how did it work for you so obviously you know you can't just turn up and work in America like you can't just turn up and work anywhere you need a work visa so you know my agency here you sort of sent my work out and um, I got picked up by that agency and then you have to go through the whole visa process which, which is a really really tough process to be honest even now even then and as a model, you have to have at least 50 tear sheets, which is like 50 magazine, you know, tear sheets, not just not just photo shoots, actual work for you to actually get the visa. So it's tough. And you have to also put the money down before you get accepted. So a lot of my friends put money down. They didn't get accepted and the money's gone. So luckily I was accepted. I kind of got there and all the things you hear about the agency, I heard. I remember I got to Miami and on my first day I walked into this agency and the agency director said to me, is that your natural skin color? And I said, yeah, yeah. And he was like, okay, well, stay out of the sun, basically. So although I didn't let things get to me, I I had everything said to me, thrown at me from moment one, as soon as I stepped into (laughs) an agency, I had crazy things said to me and thrown at me, to be honest. What what, what do you mean? Is that your natural skin color? He, he, he didn't want me to get any darker. He felt that, you know, me having darker skin wouldn't allow me to work. Did you not turn around and just walk out of the door and think F you? I did not because I thought, you know what, I've come all this way. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay in my truth. I'm absolutely going to be out in the sun. My skin is dark as it is. I'm I'm not, I'm, I'm in Miami. I'm not going to have a good time. And I'm going to show this man that I could do this. And, and I did. 
And you say that that was that was the first experience of many. You you had to Madness. withstand lots of racial slurs or or sexual slurs. I mean, what was the most? I mean, they're both unfair and unchallenging. Yeah. But I mean, how do you cope with that? How do you manage that? Because you're 18 years old. Mm-hmm. You're you're miles away from your your parents' guidance mm. and protection and. And and you're on your own in, in essence, or weren't you? Did you have other I, people around? I was you? on I was on my own. I was on my own. Where did you yeah. find the strength of character at eighteen to go into that environment? Not only are you doing something where you have to be body conscious, you're you're competing mm. with lots of other, no doubt, beautiful women, um, of all colours, shapes and sizes. You know, it's quite a competitive world, I suspect. And then on yeah. top of that, you have these innuendos from people that you are supposed to be working with how do you manage that I think for me I always felt like I was like failure is not an option I have to carry this out I have to carry this through I've already spent five thousand dollars on a visa that wasn't my money and I, I have to carry this through and anything that comes at me I'm I always have this thing and now I guess I've grown out of it a bit but I always wanted to prove people wrong you know, no matter what they said to me, no matter what they did to me, I, I always had this thing where I was like, I'm going to show you, I'm going to do this. Um, and I think that was my strength. And also because for me at that age to be given that opportunity, none of my friends were given that type of opportunity. So at 18, you're like, well, I have to stay here. You know, no one's going to understand if I turn around and come back home. You know, I, I have to do this. You know, no one I know has had this opportunity to come to America and work and, you know, and it, it looks like it's all glitz and glamour from the outside. It's really not. But no one I knew had the opportunity. So uh, I just I just stuck it out. And now 10 and you say 10 plus years on when you reflect on on that early career as a model and no doubt you went on and still probably do some modeling. I don't know. But when you reflect on those days, how do you reflect and remember them? Oh, I I look at it and I'm I'm proud and I'm happy that I went through. I think because it was tough, it really really shaped me who who I am now. And I think as well, it's really helped with the acting because I feel like I've been through so much and I've seen so many characters, good and bad, that I can draw from. And you know, for me as an actor, I draw from my personal experiences, and I've had many in many countries, across many different cultures. And it, it's just really helped me. So I look back on it and it helped me grow up very fast. I had to grow up extremely fast. And I think that it, it really shaped me and it really helped me now in my life at this age. Did you ever feel homesick during those early years? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I had times when I cried myself to sleep. You know, in the model house, it was 11 girls in about four or five bedrooms so it'll be like three girls to a room you know I, I would cry myself to sleep I would I, I would miss home so much but again I wanted to make it you know I, I didn't know anyone that had that opportunity and I wasn't going home wasn't an option for me. How did you make the transition then from from modeling into to acting? Was that a natural transition? Was there a, a kind of opportunity that came your way or did you dig this out? So I'd been in Miami. I'd been in New York for a while. Um, and then I came home for about a year. And my agency in England, they would send me on like glorified extra roles. So um, I first booked, uh, I booked quite a few movies and then I booked Mission Impossible. 
when I was a stewardess on a private jet and you can't see me so don't go and look for me <laughs> and um, you can see <laughs> but it's on your body. CV yeah I put it down I'm still proud of it I'm like I was an extra and that's what started my career I'm proud of it um so my my agency would send me on on these like sort of glorified roles when they were looking for a tall you know black girl or whatever so I turned up on set on Mission Impossible and it was Alec Baldwin was there and it was just me and him in the scene and the director yelled action and I'd never seen anything like it in my life I, I just felt like the whole room had gone black and I was like just engrossed in what he was doing and it was such a nothingness scene he was just on the phone on the plane and I just couldn't believe my eyes like my hair was standing on edge and I was like this is what I'm supposed to do and I, I saw it in that moment and I was like this is it this is what I've I've been supposed to do and and I think it took me a couple of weeks and I jumped on a plane to Los Angeles. I'd never been there before. Um, I had $800. I had no money at the time. That $800 was my mother's money. And I said to myself, I'm going to be an actor with no formal acting training. It was absolutely wild and sounded crazy, but that's what I wanted to do. And I knew how I felt in that moment. And I knew just how blown away I was and I thought you know what I'm gonna put my all into this and I did and it, it worked out <laughs> what why LA why, why did you go all the way to LA when you could have done the same thing here in the UK or can't you I don't know well at the time I think it's it's ease now but at, I, the thing about the the UK acting industry it's for me it was and it not so much it's very archaic you know you you have to have that formal acting training you have to have that you know and I was like I'm not going back to school no way you know I've just spent four years like I'm there's no way I'm going back to school and a lot of the agencies at that time and this is you know even just six years ago they 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 wanted you to have that qualification they wanted you to have that experience and in America let's face it you can wing it you know, you could really come from nothing and become something there. Um, and so I thought, you know, I'm not going to go back to school. I'm not waiting. I'm going to just chuck myself into it and see what happens. That's quite a challenge. I, I see that you not only was you in Mission Impossible, that was 2015. So that's kind of six yeah. years ago. But then yeah. I see that it's Eddie the Eagle. Which that was, was the really first one. Film. That was the first one I did. And then I did Mission Possible after that. And oh, so it's like, the other wow. way round. What, yeah. what role did you play in Eddie the Eagle? I've seen the um, film and I, I, now I know you. I, I, I'm going to. You won't see me. That I think you, in Eddie the Eagle, I think you see like half of my face, I think. And I'm getting on a bus. Um, so I played an athlete. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, so this was the start of your acting career, but you've progressed yeah. since then. Yeah. What's interesting is that you've gone all the way to LA and you said you're going to wing it, you're going to make it a success. But America is a big country and you're a small fish in a huge pond. I mean, how do you navigate that? $800 and you're on your own, probably got some connections, must have some connections because it sounds like a frightening prospect for a young woman to go off and try and embark on an acting career, regardless of how much passion, desire you have for it, it still must have been, Jessica, quite quite a daunting challenge. Yeah, it was. I actually, in Los Angeles, I only knew one female who was a British herself, who was a close friend of mine. She'd only moved to LA three weeks before me. Um, so I got there, I had $800. 
I lived with her in a shared home. There was five other people in this home or four other people in this home with one bathroom. We shared a bed for nine months um, because we didn't have money. So we halved the room, the rent for the room, which was $700. So I was left with $100. And I just got to work. It was daunting. It was terrifying. But I guess now I'm at this age, I'd be like, I would never do that again. <laughs> but when you're younger, it's like, you know what? Why not chuck yourself into it? Well, the worst is going to happen is I'm probably going to end up with no money and I'm going to have to fly home and just cry to my mom for a week and it will be over. You know, I feel like the risk is always worth it. But it was daunting and and I had to sacrifice. As I said, I, I shared a bed with someone for nine months. Um, I shared a, a shared room. I, you know, I, I really tried to make it work and it, it did. Uh, obviously it did because you've made a success of it. Where, where did your, your first break come where, you know, you weren't just sort of in the scene but not seen but you were starting to sort of break through slightly so that you were more than just a bit part because you, you know, you've got a good little list going. I mean, laundromat is the only one that I've seen. Uh, I didn't know you were in that, watched it, saw you. And I know we've had exchanges on, on social media, brilliant film, obviously amazing actors, but before we get to that, and that was in 2019, where, where did that moment come where you thought, I'm making this work. This is working for me. I, I've come over. I've taken the risk. I've spent my last dollar. I'm hustling and I'm bustling, but but it, it's paying off now. When did that moment come and you realize that? So to actually have money there, I, I would I modeled as well. And then I, I would book a lot of commercials, which saved me, um, which is obviously not what I wanted to do, but that was how I sustained myself. And then I actually booked my first acting job was a job uh, with Blumhouse who are a huge production company they do a lot of um, scary movies and um, I booked the lead role in this film and RZA was producing from Wu-Tang and he also played a role and I'd never you know really acted I'd just been background and I booked the lead role in this film and this is when I I thought, okay, now this is this is taking off and I, and I was with all these established young actors that I grew up, grown up watching, who were, who were really well known in their own right. And I was playing the lead role. Um, and so that's when it kind of started. And I was like, wow, I must, you kind of question your abilities, I guess. And then when I got that job, I was like, okay, I, I must, I must be good at this, you know, for them to pick me as the lead, I, I must be doing something right. And that's when I was like, okay, like this is taking off and it's, it's getting off the ground. How do you do that, though, if you've got no, and I don't know why you would need, I can understand you do need some kind of acting experience. And you mm. say it's archaic here in the UK and in America, as long as you, you kind of fit in and you're doing what you need to do. But how do you do that? I mean, how do you mm. wing it when you're on a film set? I mean, you, you can be natural, but there's being natural and then there's being actressy. I mean, how do you, yeah. the difference between the two, that that must be challenging, really difficult. You say you got the lead role and that's because you must have done something right. Mm. But you were so determined that you must have taken on the character that yeah. made it a success. Yeah. And I, so I, when I got to LA, I, I enrolled in classes because I thought, okay, I'm here now. I don't have any formal acting training, so I've, I've got I've to get into classes. So I kind of went to sort of pay-as-you-go classes and I – I went down that route and I think 
you know, in America, you're I'm, I'm playing all American roles. Um, but luckily, again, taking it back to my upbringing, I traveled so much. I traveled around America when I was younger so much with my mother, too, that I could it was easy for me to 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 understand you know who a young black girl from Compton was that was my first role you know and to understand you know all these roles I'm playing that are sort of second nature to me from as I'm playing an American and I'm from England so I would really work on my accent I would really work on character profiles and where they're from and what what's it like walking down the street as a girl from Compton you know I, I would I would work on the smaller details which I think adhere to becoming a well-rounded actor it's not just about the performance it's about you know understanding who your character is and where they're from and that's what I used to focus on I would focus on the accent I would focus on what's it like going to school in Compton it's definitely not the same as going to school in Harrow how am I how would someone you know navigate that and so that's the things I, I used to focus on I think that's really important as an actor it's not just about the performance it's really about the work that you have to do beforehand to understand who your character is and where they're from. And, and did you pick that up in these pay-as-you-go classes you say you went to? Is that where you started to develop an understanding of what more was required in order for you to 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 leave Jessica behind when the cameras are rolling and become the character that you're playing in whatever role you're playing? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think for me, I've always... I think people get this like misconception about actors that all of them are so, you know, out there and jazz hands and confident. And I, I never really was all that confident in myself, but I always found that, and I, I found this in the acting classes, for me to, I was always shy to get on stage. I was terrified. But once I was in character, I was fine. I, I always, and now I look back, it's, I was always more comfortable stepping into someone else's shoes than being in my own shoes. And that's what acting taught me that I could be someone else. I didn't have to be myself. I didn't have to be shy and scared. Jessica, I was, I could step into someone else's shoes into another character and I could be whoever the hell I wanted to be. Were you mentored by anyone? Did you kind of find somebody who gave you or empowered you to believe in yourself to do what you wanted to do during this time? I think my acting teacher, actually, he um, he was about 60 years old. He, he was a gay man from the South and um, he was out there and I, I was shy. And uh, I, when I came into the class, I wouldn't talk to anybody. And, and he would be like, Jess, bring it up, bring it up. Come on, Jess, bring it up. And um, he just he just really influenced me to kind of step out of my shell. And I, I was really shy. Like it, it sounds crazy, but I, I was really shy. And he influenced me to just be myself and not care and just step into it and bring it up. <laughs> How did you get the role? I mean, you, you've been in, I, I'm looking at my little list here and there's the honor list, which is a, 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 a and then there's Thriller, which were two, I suppose, horror films I haven't seen them and then in 2019 for me it's one of the big ones Laudra Matt yeah. you know with some big actors mm-hmm. and you played you played the daughter of a very wealthy guy um, and there was a scene in there which which I really love actually and I'm not one of these kind of movie geeky type of people <laughs> but when I watched yeah. it and I, I re-watched that little scene this morning and he says to you I love this moment because he says to you the guy who's a brilliant actor this is adulthood welcome it feels 
it's filled with disappointment and negotiations. And it's so true. And he said it in a way, and your face is kind of passive. You, You know, it's kind of a reality check. Is that your life for real? You know, that as you become an adult, because as a young person, you said you've gone to L.A. and you kind of went for it. But as you got older and you transitioned from a young adult to a a, a woman, if I can put it like that, have there been lots of disappointments and lots of negotiations, as he said in this movie? Uh, Oh, yeah, of course there has, especially in in the acting industry in L.A., and like the way he says it is like, you know, you just get on with life. Life is not easy. You have to hustle. And that's exactly how my life was. You know, it, it, I feel like it sounds easy, you know, going to America and then booking these jobs. That's the Reader's Digest version. I mean, it was absolutely tough. And there was some really, really, really hard times. But, you know, you just get on with it. You know, I feel like if you if you know what you want to do and you have the end goal, I think that makes it easier. If you're passionate about what you want to do, you just let things fly at you and you just keep on moving and you keep on moving forward. And I think that's what I did. And, you know, it, it worked out. <laughs> but, 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 but how do you find yourself? I, I, you know, we watch movies, you know, I do TV stuff myself. But I mean, how do you find yourself? I mean, you've got Stephen Soderbergh, the director. You've got some big name actors in this laundromat. I mean, it was a brilliant, you know, kind of docudrama film about a really important issue. For anybody who's not watched it, they should watch it because it's a reflection of of some real big issues that took place in society all all around money and and, and money laundering and all kinds of illegal activities. But you played quite a a big character in that that role. You know, I love the scene of you getting out of that £100,000 car with the boxes of chickens (laughs) and walking into the house, catching dad doing what he shouldn't be doing. And then you have this kind of grown-up conversation, which all parents have with their children at some point, maybe not under the same circumstances. But big players in big movies like that, I mean, is it daunting for someone who's just trying to make it or was it, did you see it as a real opportunity to to strut your stuff, Jessica? Mm-hmm. Well, what's crazy about that is, you know, I'm, I was working with a top five director, working with Meryl Streep, working alongside Gary Oldman, and really, to be honest, didn't have much experience. And the crazy part about it was I only had one audition, not with the casting director, not with Steven Soderbergh. I walked into this audition not knowing much about the role, the cast and director had to be called out to lunch or something. So I was just there with the cast and assistant, did it one time, and they booked me off of that one role, of that one audition. And you were so, playing a London girl, weren't you? Because you kept your London accent in that. So it could and be they as changed close. it three times. They changed. I was I was supposed to have an American accent, and they they gave me an African accent, and then it came back down to the UK accent. So. <laughs> One audition and you got the role. And what did Mm -hmm. that mean to you? Because I suspect that that kind of projected you on another level. Or did it? I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it did. Definitely. And and I think you hear things like that happening in the industry, like, oh, you know, you get spotted on the street and then you're working with it. But you just never think it's going to happen for you. And a lot of the time you you audition for things. It never happens off the first audition. Sometimes you're auditioning four times and you have to have a table read. And then you, you know, so these things just, just don't happen. So when it happened for me, I was just, I just couldn't believe it. And at that point I was like, oh damn, 
I've got the job now and I'm going to be working alongside Meryl Streep with no formal acting training. I've got to get my, my head in the game. And I remember at the time I didn't have t- money for a coach. You know, I would have loved to have had a coach to have taken me through the scenes. I didn't have time. And I remember calling my parents and being like, okay, mom, okay, dad, we've got to put the work in here. I, I need to read with you and we need to work this out. And I need to be able to walk on set and act exactly like I know what I'm doing in front of Meryl Streep and Steven Soderbergh. And my parents helped me out and we read, We I think I had a week to prepare and I read with my parents and my dad's quite creative. He was in a band and, you know, he's had a lot of life experience. So, you know, he would help me creatively and I would ask my dad, okay, dad, which choice do you like? And, you know, it was, it was great. It was, it was amazing. And that led to what? What does those sort of opportunities lead to, Jessica? So at the time, I I wasn't really with an agent. Um, I had a manager, but I didn't have an agency. And so when that movie came out, all the big agencies started flooding in. I had CAA, UTA, you know, WME, all the, all the huge agents wanted to see me. And so then you kind of go on these like tours of all the agents and you kind of go into their offices and they tell you about themselves. And, you know, I managed to sign with the biggest agency in the world with UTA and um, just off of that one movie. And it's literally just off of that one audition, which was incredible. And, you know, it's, it's crazy to me as an actor. It's like you, someone sees something in you and you know they'll just change your life and those things can happen you know it sounds crazy but you read those things really can happen in your life and if you work towards them and I had thousands of no's oh my goodness thousands and thousands of no's but it just takes that one thing and it can project you off and it can really start your career essentially I'm I'm so glad you said that actually because it's those thousands of no's that nobody ever really hears about, do they? Mm-hmm. They just see the the yeses or the moments where you've made it, and they forget that lots of hard work goes in between attempts to try and get roles or or positions. I read that there is a movie coming out later this year that you're you're in. Tell me about that. Mm-hmm. So I I have two actually coming out, and for some reason I don't know. I, I seem to have like a a theme of thrillers and horror movies um but i have texas chainsaw massacre coming out uh that's a that's, a, that's a kind of long history of of it, kind i of know i know and they're bringing it back and i'm excited actually uh sort of the pandemic obviously hit us last year and i thought oh god what am i gonna do i was in i was in america by myself like how am i gonna make money and Luckily, I booked two films and um, that was one of them. And I shot in Bulgaria for the summer last year. And um, yeah, it's a great opportunity. And it's coming out at Halloween. And I have another film called Fear, which is coming out to Halloween. When you look in the mirror today at, at yourself, I mean, we all do this at times, don't we, where we stop, we look at ourselves again and we think, yeah, or some people might think, <laughs> No, or I still need. What What do you see when you look in the mirror? I'm proud of myself. Like I'm proud of myself. I, I I really, I think people look at me and think that it's been an easy road, or you know. And it, I know that it really hasn't. It's It's been so tough, and there's been so many times I I could have backed out, could have backed down. There's been times when I've had been in a foreign country with three dollars in my bank account I've been in a foreign country before in America where I've had to not eat for the night because I had no money you know I've had I've been through 
crazy, crazy, crazy situations. And I stuck it out and I'm I'm proud of myself. And I, I also did this later in life. I wasn't training and acting from a young age. You know, I sort of turned my life around when I was studying for something else and thought, you know what, I'm not doing that. I'm going to be an actor, like I, which sounds absolutely insane. Uh, but I'm, I'm proud of, of where I've, I've got to. And I hope that, you know, I can influence people, especially the young, younger generation that you really can do anything if you put your mind to it and if you work towards it and if you work hard, anything is possible. And that's what I was going to ask you, you know, what advice you would give to not just the younger generation who want to break into this space, whether it's modeling or whether mm. it's acting, but also the parents of these kids who have these dreams and desires, but sometimes parents can be, you know, protective and, and dampen those dreams because they think the reality is it's too far to reach. Let's just go for what's near and what's, you know, possible immediately. What would your advice be to both the parents and the, the the youngsters who have the same dreams and ambitions as you, and you're young yourself, so you know your words of wisdom are still long way off. But yeah. but as a young actress who's made it, I think I think for the kids and younger generation, I would say don't follow the crowd. You know, I could have followed the crowd and stayed in England, and it I would have been fighting just to you know have an agent. Like I, it would have been tough. So I, I chose to not follow the crowd maybe take the longer way around, maybe take the way around, which was more expensive and more money, but there was less competition for me, essentially. So I would always say, do something in your own lane. You don't have to listen to everyone else. You don't have to follow the advice of you, what your school is telling you. Do it on your own and see that there's different ways to do things. You don't always have to follow the crowd. And I would also say, take risks. Take risks. I, I took a risk moving to America with $800, which sounds absolutely insane. But as I said before, the worst that was going to happen is it doesn't work out. And I go home and I cry to my mom for a week, you know, but at least I tried. Um, so I think that taking risks, calculated risks is a good thing. And just being different and just pushing yourself. Um, and I think for the parents, <sighs> It's tough as a parent. I I look at what I've done and I think, oh my God, how did my mom sleep at night sometimes? But I think with parents, I think it's about getting to know your child and trusting in your child and actually having a relationship with your child and having a mature relationship with your child and being able to communicate with your child and knowing and feeling safe that if, if, something has happened that your child is going to come to you and say look mom I need help you know I think it's about having an open relationship and just being able to trust them which is hard it's terrifying when when you when you were breaking through in your modeling career you said you kind of experienced some negative um, stereotypes from some of those agents have you found it's the same in the the acting industry or 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 is that different I think so yeah I I, and I in all honesty I think that again it it does come down to your your skin tone and I think it's not just the thing of you know there's there's a lot of things that have improved in the industry being someone of color because before you know there was no people of color on our screens to be honest and that's another reason actually taking it back why I left the UK because now it's changed quite a bit, like in the last six years. But 
you know, seven years ago, I'm like, I would never see people of color on the TV, hardly ever, really, if you really think about it. I mean, compared to America, we really don't have a lot, we didn't have a lot of representation on our TV. And sometimes you have to look at it from another angle, as in, you know, London is very diverse, but outside of London, it's it's not very diverse. So that also reflects on the TV, essentially. And so for me, that's another reason why I went to America, because, you know, I wanted more opportunities. But I think as well in the acting industry, as I said, it, I think it also comes about down to the tone of your skin and not just your skin color. And I think that, you know, we see less and less darker skinned people on our TVs, particularly dark skinned women. And I, if I'm being honest, I've found that to, to be an issue in, in my in my career, um, being a dark-skinned woman, if I'm honest, I, I really do think that that is something that people think about, what production companies think about, in my, and that's in my experience, absolutely. I, I, I find that shocking, but, 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 yeah. but, you know, it's not the first time you, you hear this. Um, mm. How do you overcome that challenge then? I mean, I'm of the kind of school of thought, if you don't want me, I'll go there kind of thing. But that's not all, that's the easy answer. And it's kind of turning mm. your back, but I wouldn't give the time of day to somebody who doesn't respect me for who I am, what I look like or, or anything like that. Yeah. Um, um, I think it's about proving people wrong. I, I had an audition one time in America and the last line of the audition, and they still brought me in for it was like, let's go and get a spray tan. Clearly, I, I'm, I don't need a spray tan. So I, I was already mad before I got into the audition. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to go into this audition. I'm going to change the line and I'm going to I'm going to kill it. And so I went into this audition. The director was actually in the audition and the producer and the casting director. And I, I was heated because I was like, how dare you bring me in knowing that you probably don't want to cast a black girl, number one. And just bringing me in with a line like that when you, you know that it's not for me. Is, it was just very hurtful. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to prove these people wrong. So I went into the audition. The line came up and the person asked me, oh, do you want to get a spray tan? And I said, no, actually, I don't think I need one. But thanks. And the room went silent. And I thought, oh, my God, what have I done? But I booked the job. I booked the film. And I'm not going to say what film it is, but I booked the film. So there's things like that that come up all the time where I've felt that, that I've been disrespected. I, but again, my personality is I'm going to prove you wrong. And it doesn't always work, but sometimes it does. And, and that time it worked for me, I booked the job. These realities are, are, are I'm sure, told all, all the time. But it doesn't mm-hmm. stand in the way of who you are. You're obviously a very resilient person and you're very ambitious. Yeah. What is your ambition? I mean, you've obviously achieved the goals that you set out, you, you, you know, mm. um, or you're at least moving down that path continuously. But what is, and I know this is a tough question, but, you know, if someone asked you at 16, what's your ambition? It would have been to be on the front magazine of Vogue or something. And yeah. now as an actress and probably still doing modeling, what, what is your ambition? What, 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 what would you like to do in the next 12 months, two years pandemic allowing i i think in the last year my whole perspective has changed completely i think now what i want is i've seen how tough it has been for me as a you know dark skinned 
woman of color to break into this industry. So for me now, what I want to do is I just want to do jobs that influence the younger generation and influence younger women and women of color to be able to stand up and do what they want to do. And I also, the thing with the laundromat is, again, if someone, if anyone hasn't seen it, jobs like that, I really love doing because it's a true story. It's based on reality. It's based on things that have happened. And even the Panama Papers, which is what the laundromat is based off of, I'm from St. Lucia and Barbados. They were two countries that were named in the Panama Papers. So it's like, you know, I want to do things that are true stories that have affected people. And when you're working on things like that, it's easier to work on things like that because it's coming from the heart. So now I am in a space where I'm, I want to do jobs that are true stories that are going to influence people in positive ways. And I really want to influence the younger generation to be able to think that they can do whatever they want to do. doesn't matter on their disability, their skin color, where they come from, their social economic status, like whatever it is, you can do whatever you want to do. And that's, that's where I've come to over the last year. There's been, as you say, a bit of a, a gear change in the representation of, mm-hmm. of black people, Asian people, ethnic minorities on on British TV. Yeah. Although, you know, I would argue 50 percent of those stories are quite stereotypical. You know, Absolutely. the characters always play a particular role. And if they're not, people get a little bit disorientated because they see that actually <laughs> people are not like <laughs> Do you have any ambitions to to come back into the UK and and see whether there are films that should be cast in people like yourself with your talent? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, you know, I focused everything on America. So essentially I had nothing in the UK. I didn't have any agents here. And I recently signed with Independent in London, um, which I'm really excited about. And I'm going to meet them next week um, because this is my home. I felt like I had to leave because I felt like there wasn't enough representation for me to even step into this industry here. But now I've got a foot in and I've managed to make it essentially in America. I want to come back here. Um, I want to work here and I would love to produce things and create things and, you know, hopefully bridge um, some of the industry here. Well, good luck with that, Jessica. Thank you so much for giving up your time today it's always interesting it's always interesting talking to people like yourself because you know people watch something and then they go off and do something else but the hard work that you've put in from the very beginning you know I I love the story of being 16 (laughs) and just walking into an agency off the high street and that propelled you to to where you are today um and you know despite all the the rocky roads your, your okay. resilience, your determination, uh, uh, and the things you've had to endure, which no woman, person, you know, of any creed or colour should should have to endure as they go about trying to, you know, hone their craft. It's, it's yeah. wrong. Um, so testament to you, Jessica, for sort of standing Thank up you. against it, seeing through it, not letting it kind of wear you down, although I'm sure it does, as it would anybody. And thank you for passing on that message to the young and to the parents. But thank you so much for joining me today. Is there, before I close, is there anything that we've not talked about that you think is important in your career, in your life, on your journey, Mm -hmm. or a message? Well, I think, obviously, this show, this podcast is about second chances. And I sort of spoke about it a little bit, but you know, it's never too late in your life 
to sort of change what you want to do or change your perspective or, you know, change your job. Don't be scared. I feel like we've been programmed as as individuals in a certain school system and a certain system that we've grown up in to always follow our heads, you know, and follow your what your head is telling you. And I don't believe in that at all. I still feel like you should always follow your intuition, follow your heart, um, because your intuition and your heart For me, it's always coming from a good place, no matter what you believe in, whether you believe it's coming from universe, God, your religion, you in a past life, who knows? But I believe your intuition is always going to steer you correctly. And if you feel like you should be doing something else, just do it. Life is too short and it's never too late to have a second chance and choose something different in your life. Thank you so much, Jessica. Thank you. Thank you, Raphael. Just do it. Sounds good to me. Thank you, Jessica, for sharing. And I hope some of you listeners feel inspired to follow your dreams or ambitions. Thanks for listening to this episode. And please share and follow us on social media. It'd be great if you could rate and review on the site where you listen to this podcast. And if you want to support or advertise on this show, please get in touch. If you think I should get someone on the show, drop me a direct message via Instagram, Twitter, Facebook or any other means you have to make contact. Audio editing is by Audio Avalanche. The original music is by J-Row Productions. The cover design work is by Studio Minerva. Our guest booker is Tegan Parsons and me, your host, Raphael Rowe. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.